asked a good-looking dentist in his late 20s why he was single. He replied, Poor people wish they were rich. Rich people wish they were happy. Single people wish they were married, and married people wish they were dead. I repeated my question. Hesitantly, he said, I haven't yet met the perfect woman. An attractive woman of 30 who had been divorced for seven years expressed much the same sentiment without the initial wariness. I would get married tomorrow if I met Mr. Wright. I like the whole idea of marriage, the togetherness, the sharing, but I haven't yet met anyone I wanted who also wanted me. Another young woman related the story of a girlfriend who was desperate to get married. She wanted to get married in the worst way, and did. How typical are these attitudes towards being single? Who are the 124.6 million single adult men and women in America today? What is singleness really like? Every American adult has had to deal with being single. The questions are when and for how long. The single years may be those from 18 until the first marriage, those between a divorce and a second marriage, or those years after the death of a spouse. Singleness may last for the early portion of adulthood, all of one's adult years, or as a recurring condition of varying durations. Very few men and women set out to be single. Instead, many initially search for the right one and, unable to find him or her, remain single. Singleness is thrust upon others following divorce or death of a spouse. Once singleness is perceived to be permanent, a single person wonders, why am I single? Is it them or is it me? This questioning occurs at different times of life for everyone, although there are some trends. Many bachelors reflect upon their singleness as they near middle age and realize that most of their friends are either married or divorced and that the majority have children. Unmarried women near the age of 35 contend with these factors too, but must also deal with an awareness of their biological clock as the safer childbearing years pass by. Singleness tends to be reviewed by the formerly married if, after four or five years of post-divorce singleness, a second marriage has not occurred. Sometimes a re-examination of one's single status is triggered by an event, such as a high school or college reunion. Inevitably, the question is asked, are you married? Or by a movie, such as an unmarried woman or starting over. Or by a book, like I'm dancing as fast as I can. After holding the firstborn infant of a sibling or close friend, those who want to raise a family will ask themselves, why am I still single? A man of 40 who had never married told me, one day I sat down and compulsively listed every woman I had dated in the past year. I wrote down why I asked her out, what I didn't like about her, and why I didn't want to see her again. That man reminded me of a woman in her 50s, divorced for 10 years, who told me that in just one month, she had had over 100 different dates for breakfast, lunch, drinks, or dinner. She was searching for Mr. Wright. I then thought of a pleasant California man in his mid-30s who had not married. He lives in a house near San Francisco, sees his girlfriend about four times a week, and teaches cooking at a community college. Do you think you might someday marry? I asked. When I grow in some areas I have not yet grown in, he replied. But I gave up searching for the perfect woman. I kept finding her too often. Now I don't have expectations and I don't have disappointments. I just let my relationships happen. In the chapters that follow from my classic book, Single in America, you'll meet four basic groups of singles discussed in detail in chapters three through six. The never married, the once married, the widowed, and the living together. 
You also hear Chapter 7, Taking the Good with the Bad, the Consequences of Singleness, as well as one of my other favorites, The Best of Both Worlds, in which I suggest an ideal couple or marital state that is one of interdependence, rather than the dependence that too often characterizes romantic relationships. It is my observation that it is often over-dependence that can lead to estrangement or divorce, or by contrast, the other extreme of too much independence, which can also lead to having such separate lives that the uncoupling process dissolves into the end of the intimate relationship as a natural byproduct of that distance. The goal of this book is still the same as when it was first published, namely, to provide a social scientist's view about singleness that might help you gain understanding about the various types of singles. The experiences and research shared in this book by men and women throughout the U.S. will provide you with anecdotes and examples outside of your own relationships. Whether that information is just interesting to read, or it helps you make a different relationship choice, or it reinforces the singleness that you're committed to, I hope you find Single in America interesting to listen to.